Hi everyone, I'm Gary Lewis and welcome to the GEO Podcast. And in this episode I'm talking about erosion. Now often we hear of the three things, weathering, erosion and deposition, and often it is erosion that gets the most coverage because erosion is the one that involves movement. So what is erosion? Erosion is the movement of broken down rock material to somewhere else. You know, often we talk about erosion as being a force that's taking stuff away, like the beach was eroded or the river valley was eroded. But erosion is more than just taking away. It is taking away material and moving it somewhere else. And that movement could be just because of gravity. It could be because of wind or water or ice. And we're going to take our time today to talk about each of those and how those agents move material around. So let's start off by talking about gravity. We all know the saying, whatever goes up must come down. And in the case of broken down rock materials, it's the down that's the important part. So once a rock is broken down into its fragments because of weathering, those fragments have a tendency to want to move with gravity down slope. And most of the time, it's very, very slow movement. And we call that creep. So on some steep slopes, we can actually see where the broken down rock material, in many cases it's actually become soil, is slowly sliding down the slope, creeping down bit by bit over time because of the force of gravity. Even in a person's lifetime, they mightn't see this greatly. But sometimes by looking at things like trees or fence posts that now all lean down slope, we can tell that that form of erosion is taking place. On the other hand, the other types of gravity-driven erosion are far faster and far more dramatic. And these involve things like rockfalls and mudflows and landslides. So a rockfall basically takes place when the rocks on a cliff can no longer be supported and great chunks of the rocks fall because of gravity down to the base of the cliff. These can be a few handfuls of rock material up to football field or even greater sizes of material that collapse. They're incredibly fast moving and incredibly dangerous to build anything close by slopes that they could take place on. And yet I'm often amazed at how many people have homes built right close to the edge of cliffs. You either risk rock material falling down from above onto your house or your house itself falling when the cliff falls during a rockfall. The other two forms of erosion due to gravity are mudflows and landslides, and they can be somewhat related because they involve normally water being involved. The water saturates the material on a slope, and because it is saturated, it gets really, really heavy and gravity then starts pulling the material down slope. It starts slowly, but then becomes faster and faster and can move huge amounts of material down slope. In mud flows, there's normally a lot more water involved and they have a tendency to be at the base of 
canyons and valleys and they're somewhat contained and the material is basically liquid mud as it moves down slope. In volcanic areas, the water mixed up with volcanic ash moves in a mud flow that we call a lahar. But all of these things, rock falls, mud flows, landslides, and even slow old soil creep are examples of erosion caused by gravity. In really arid areas and in places where the vegetation has been removed, wind can be a big cause of erosion. Once the air is moving more than 20 kilometers an hour, it has the ability to pick up broken down rock material, starting with dust, moving to sand, and then even getting up to small pebble size, being moved by the wind. Dust sized particles can be blown up into the wind and move through the atmosphere for thousands and thousands of kilometers. Sand-sized particles sort of bounce along the ground, maybe rising maybe a metre and not much more than that, and the particles are actually bouncing along. And we call this process saltation. And in some really windy areas, pebbles are actually pushed along. So they don't actually get airborne, but they get pushed along the ground, and we can see their tracks as they've been moved by the wind. Okay. So now let's talk about probably the most familiar way that erosion takes place to people, and that is by the movement of water. I am sure we have all seen water moving material around, especially during heavy rains and floods. We go down on the local creek or the river is brown and dirty because it's full of weathered material that is being washed down by the water. And the important thing to know here is that faster water will move more and larger particles than slower water. And any examination of a creek or riverbed during dry times, you will see the types of material that that creek or river can move, especially during floods. So you go to the local creek or river and you'll see some very large boulders sitting in there and you know that at some stage that creek or river has been able to move those boulders. And yet when you see it, you might look in the river and it might be perfectly clear, so it's not even moving mud-sized particles at that stage. But during the next flood episode, you know that the river is going to be moving finest grey materials like muds, sands, all the way up to those large boulders in some case. The very largest river systems on our planet carry a huge amount of broken down rock material out into our oceans. Now a lot of that is the very finest particles, so the muds and silts that get washed out into the oceans. But in some rivers, because they are so large and travel so quickly, they are actually washing sand and gravel and even boulders out into the ocean basins. But what you need to know is that once the river and the ocean waters mix and it slows the river water down, the river drops all of that material out and maybe only the finest material, the muds and silts, get washed a long way off the coast. So that's the creek and river part of the process. But once all of that material gets washed into the ocean, the ocean currents themselves move material around and sands and silts get moved around the coastline and in different directions depending on the way the winds blow but generally speaking there is a major direction that the material moves and we refer to that as longshore drift. 
So sand material, for example, can be moved from south to north along some parts of the coastlines. And in other parts of the coastline, it moves in the opposite direction. And a great place to see the action of this is if you can find a place where humans are built like a stone wall off a beach. The currents coming from one side will actually erode, so they will move the sand from one side of the wall and swing the sand out into the ocean and then back, and it will actually be deposited on the other side of the wall. And this gives you a clue of the direction that the erosion takes place naturally in that part of the world. Then, of course, if you've had a very, very large storm off the shoreline and huge waves have been coming and crashing on the coast, huge amounts of erosion take place by the action of the waves. The waves then have a tendency to move the material from the shoreline offshore, then the currents move them around from there. So as well as rivers moving the material from the land out into the ocean, the ocean itself then moves material as well. And I should also mention that some of this material also gets moved from the edge of the continents way off into the deep oceans because of a phenomenon that we refer to as turbidity currents. So if there is some event, like a small earthquake for example, some of the sediment material that's out on the ocean floor gets kicked up into the ocean. Now you've got water that's full of sediment and it's heavier than the surrounding water so it will move down slope. Some of this material moves faster and faster and faster and you get a huge, if you like, underwater river full of sediment that can rush down the underwater canyons and move material from the edge of the continental shelf down into the deep oceans. So while we don't see it, there is a lot of erosion that is taking place, a lot of movement of material in the ocean itself and especially around the edges of continents. Now the final thing that moves a vast amount of broken down rock material around is the action of ice. On a small scale, just the freeze and thaw process can actually move material. If there is water in the soil and it freezes overnight and forms ice crystals, those ice crystals will lift up small rock and mineral fragments, maybe only a centimetre or so, but when that ice melts, those little grains will move slightly down slope. And over a long period of time, a large amount of material can move by this freeze-thaw ice crystal movement. But on a large scale, the action of ice in the form of glaciers and ice sheets has moved huge amounts of material around our planet and especially on the large continental masses. So when snow can fall up in some mountain basins, it can actually accumulate so thick that it forms ice and the ice will move under the pressure of all of the ice above it. And this is basically what a glacier is. So while frozen, the ice is actually moving slowly down slope, but with the force of thousands and thousands of bulldozers. Any broken down rock material in front of it will get pushed along by the ice and any rock material that the ice covers, the ice will pick up and grind along with it as the ice moves down slope. The rock material that's stuck in the ice but is sticking down through the bottom of the glacier will actually grind past and put large grooves and striations in the underlying bedrock below the glacier. So in a way, not only is it the glacier eroding by moving the rock material, but it's also physically weathering, breaking down the rock below it. When the glacier finally melts, either because it's hit the warm ocean or because of changes in the climate, then the rock material that is in the glacier 
will be dropped by the glacier to form large accumulations of material and we call those things moraines. Finer ground up rock material gets washed from underneath the glacier during summer and those muds get washed into glacial lakes or out into the ocean as fine muds. Sometimes there is a rock fall that takes place from a cliff next to a glacier dumping whole piles of rocks on the top of the glacier. And those rocks get rafted along, carried along by the glacier and eventually when the glacier melts those large slabs of rock then drop down onto the bedrock below. Often those large slabs of rock are a completely different geology to the material that they end up sitting on and they are referred to as glacial erratics and in some parts of the world the whole landscape is covered by these glacial erratics. So now I've talked about gravity and wind and water and ice as ways that rock material that's been broken down can be moved around our planet. Now this is a very simplified explanation of those things and there are some people that spend their entire life just studying one little aspect of erosion through one of these agents, like a glacial geologist for example. But the important thing to remember is that all of these agents move broken rock material and it's when that moved broken rock material ends up somewhere else then we're talking about the third phase of this process of weathering erosion and then deposition and we'll talk about deposition in another episode but for now I'd like to mention that if you're really interested in finding out more about geology or you're a school teacher looking for activities for your students to do or a student who wants to find out more about things about our planet then please come and visit us at geoetc.com that's g-e-o-e-t-c.com and there you will find a whole pile of information that'll help you on your journey but for now keep on rocking <laughs>